welcome, welcome, welcome to the Anonymous Squadcast. We're happy to have you back. And this week, our special guest is Rage, or iRage, or iRage Rage. Let him introduce himself. Hey guys, what's going on? I run a small YouTube channel. Feel free to check it out or just, you know, talk with me any way you want to on YouTube or Steam or anything like that. I'm pretty easy to find. Well, I'm very happy that Rage joins us today. He's a guest that we've been trying to get on our podcast for a while, but he's been very busy recently. Right, Rage? Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, it's definitely an honor to uh, have been asked to be on the podcast by you guys. I've really been looking forward to it. Yeah. So, Rage, since you are the special guest, uh, tell us, what have you been doing recently? Uh, Well, with Medal of Honor Warfighter releasing, even with the negative reviews, I've been playing a good bit of it, trying to enjoy it as much as possible before uh, the inevitable happens and the game eventually dies out, um, as well as, you know, the usual Battlefield. Um, And I've also been delving into some indie games that have come out recently on the Steam Greenlight project. It's a very good idea Steam's got, and they've had a lot of solid games come out of that. Yeah, I think one of, uh, in one of those games, uh, Nova was very curious about it, was Towns, and I think you've been playing it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, it kind of brings a new element to the, the RPG sector. Um, instead of being like the hero that goes into the dungeon, you actually have to build up and manage the town above the dungeon, so it gives you another look at things. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and we'll talk about that in our uh, review section. Uh, so, Noah, what have you been up to? I'm going to go last this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I recently purchased uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 from Steam just because it was one of my favorite games on the PS3, and I figure I might as well try it on the PC. I heard that there are a lot of pretty cool mods, which I'm looking forward to try out, but I haven't had the chance to do that yet. Um, having a little bit of, you know, problems, I guess, with Far Cry 3 coming out at the end of the year, because I'm not quite sure what system I should get it for. You know, I could get it on PS3 and then use it or, you know, I could play it with you, or I could get it on PC and hope that eventually down the road they release really good multiplayer mods and stuff like that that makes the, that extends the life of the game. So I'm... Having some, I guess, quandaries in that area. And to give you guys a little bit of a Wii U update, I did play one in GameStop the other week, and I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, I thought that it was just smooth and a lot of fun to play. Now, granted, that was only Rayman, so, you know, I guess it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't, like, the whole system. but And it kind of felt like I was playing it on the Vita, if you guys have played Rayman on the Vita, it's pretty awesome. But so my current plan is to buy it when GameStop tells me they have one for me. So I signed up for GameStop's not pre-order, but wait list. So as a Power Up Rewards member, I can wait list a Wii U. So they'll tell me as soon as they get one available for me. And then I'll go in and buy it. When are you expecting for one to be available for you? I know the pre-orders have been sold out and stuff. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? The pre-orders the sold out in like four hours at GameStop. So um, I assume that there was quite a heavy rush, and I was not <laughs> anywhere near a GameStop for the next week of the pre-order. So I doubt I'm even one of the first ten at the local GameStop that I went to for the wait list. So it's possible I won't get one till after Christmas. Yeah. Um, have you been a fan of GTA, uh, the GTA series? I have. It's <laughs> <laughs> I've played it actually all the way since the original Grand Theft Auto. Ah, the good old days. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Vice City. And it was one of the games which was like so open world. One of the first games to be open world and you can do anything kind of thing. But uh, I had an issue with GTA 4 because when I started playing GTA 4, I, I was feeling like I don't really like this gangster culture and all those things and their language and everything. And I just stopped playing it. I'm like, um, this is not the game for me. I don't know whether any of you had that issue with GTA or not. Or you guys are well, pretty thought, gangster, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought San Andreas was actually a little bit more gangster than this one. This one's more, yeah. I guess, of a cultural commentary. Yeah, it was. Like, uh, I think I played Vice City, but uh, uh, the the 
it was a lot gangster but the thing is that at that time it was a breakthrough game because there was no other open world like this in any other game that you can go to and you can take a motorcycle and you can jump it over buildings and all those things uh but uh but with GTA 4 i think me as as a gamer has already seen a lot of cool games and has matured enough that i cared a little bit more about what what, what kind of theme the game is portraying to me and i, I don't know whether that was the, I, i think i think it's kind of a non issue for most people but i kind of had issues with it for some reason i don't know whether you can relate it to or not now <laughs> beats me <laughs> i just had fun with it <laughs> okay i mean i i, I kind of see where you're coming from there is that um it does have a lot of very mature themes to it and a lot that are kind of overboard when you get down to it but mm-hmm. um i think even the story in the grand theft auto games has always been pretty ga- groundbreaking even with the language and things i think they've always had a good story to tell and i think that's kind of what's made it enjoyable for me yeah well glad to see you guys liking it um I I might give it a try again maybe maybe I was in a different mood at that time. Anyway, so I think it's my turn to tell what I've been doing. I have been playing Assassin's Creed Revelation multiplayer and I've been having a lot of fun in it. It's it's a it's a completely different multiplayer from any other multiplayer that you have played before. Uh you play it differently. You play it using stealth and anybody who gets into Assassin's Creed Revelations multiplayer or Assassin's Creed multiplayer I would recommend them play simple deathmatch now simple deathmatch is a deathmatch in which you don't have any ability like you don't have smoke bombs you don't have any kind of abilities you don't have your knives you don't have disguise you can't disguise as other players so it's a really good place to kind of build up your skill and then you can move on to other deathmatches in which you have all these abilities and really learn how to start using it and i've been playing a little bit of bf3 battlefield 3 here and there my aim is all shaky these days so i tend to enjoy assassin's creed revelations more until aftermath comes out so that's what i've been up to uh so in our battlefield gaming uh, etc etc news today uh th- this news just came out last week um that uh seven navy seals or six navy seals have been disciplined and reprimanded uh for consulting on medal of honor warfighter uh these navy seals they gave specific information about their gear their their uh uniform to um ea or the medal of honor warfighter uh developers so that they can make the game more realistic and uh, they basically got a blowback about that from the army i think they docked their pay for a couple of months and they kind of um, and this and this kind of discipline can really interfere with their future promotions and everything i just wanted to get uh, your views on it nova uh, what do you think about this is, do you i know you have read the news do you think the uh, army is acting a little harsh or is it uh, uh, or is it something that they were really at fault uh it's very unclear because the army never gives full information or full disclosure about what they what they are doing but uh what do you what what can you make out from the surface of this news yeah well it it all centers around uh the first amendment and national security so you have on one side the freedom of speech where you know a united states citizen can say anything they want pretty much at any time On the other hand, you have national security and this information put into a video game, a very public sphere, could get into the wrong hands and I guess you could learn, you know, how to counteract or something whatever we're wearing or holding in our hands. Um and I guess whether you're for or against the first amendment, you have to think is what they did really that bad um why is it only about medal of honor you know some of them have written books some of them i'm sure have talked to the people who are actually making the zero dark 30 or dark 030 i can't remember the name uh specifically but you know the movie i'm talking about i'm sure some of them were consulted during that they've been being consulted for 
the past couple of years with a lot of the new Navy SEALs movies that are coming out. Um, and it's making the movies more realistic, at least. Uh, so I think that the product that is made off of the information might outweigh, in this case, the simple pay cut. Because uh, I assume full and well that the pay cut will not be a you know, determinant factor in these men's lives. Yeah, uh, Ridge, do you have uh, any comments on this news? Um... Well, I, I think really, I kind of agree with Nova on it. Um, you know, the final product, uh, in my opinion thus far, what I've played of Medal of Honor Warfighter as far as the multiplayer, the hours that I've put in, and the amount of time I spent on the campaign. I have yet to beat it. I haven't put that much time into it. But I haven't really seen anything thus yet that could be like, oh, we can take down the American government with this. Um, so I don't really see why there's any need for them to be pulling this whole they've broken national security thing. Um, but, you know, really, if you think about it, kind of getting off topic for a moment, this isn't the first time we've heard about something with the military interfering with video games. We've also heard about the issues with Arma 3 developers and all. But I think that the the pay cut, like Nova said, the pay cut kind of really isn't going to take away probably from even what they made from EA, just giving a little bit of information. And I haven't seen anything thus far that, you know, is really a big national security risk. So I kind of disagree with it. Um, but then again, I kind of agree with it all at the same time. Yeah, uh, the, the pay cut is not a big issue. Um, uh, the big issue is that this affects their future promotions, like when there are other people, when, when they're competing with other people for getting promoted, this really goes bad on their record. Uh, but, but the problem is that I, I work for a company, and uh, the company that I work for, I have to disclose every year what, if I have done any kind of external consulting, and also whether that consulting is related to my work or not. So I find it very hard to believe that these Navy SEALs went and cons and offered their consulting to EA and Danger Close developers and didn't talk to their supervisors. I mean, that kind of seems like impossible to me. Like, how can they be so careless about this? Or maybe they did talk to their supervisors and what happened is that at the time, the supervisor said, oh, yeah, it's fine. You can do that. And later on, when it kind of became a more public issue, when EA started advertising that, hey, we have contacted these seven Navy SEALs that uh, have actually worked with our developers on the game, uh, it kind of came in somebody's eyes and they were like, why did you give them give them permission to do this or something like that? So basically... Uh, they basically, even though having permission, because I, I don't think these Navy SEALs are stupid enough to go and talk to anybody outside the military and not take permission from their s supervisors and their seniors. So maybe they just got, uh, they, they, were, they just got in a bad position and uh, the army just screwed them over. Uh, I know, Raj, you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with where you're going with that. Is that are, um, it's it's kind of like they gave him permission, but then when you know when stuff started to hit the fan, when all the walls started to fall, um, sorry for, <laughs> for the little bit of rhymes there, but it's kind of like they became expendable. They they became expendable. It kind of fell to the blame game of well, I don't want to take you know I don't want to take action for this. I don't want to be the one that's held responsible for this. So well, this guy here, he's under me. He did it without my permission. You know, it's kind of just threw him to the lions. And it seems like that's how a lot of things go nowadays with companies like that. You really have to worry about that if you're trying to go anywhere uh, with the military or big companies like that. You've always got to cover your own butt. You you really can't be too trustworthy of, you know, the higher ups because they're always looking for that next handout as well. Yeah, and I agree with your statement. Like I've seen, uh, I haven't played the game, but I've seen many videos of Medal of Honor Warfighter, and there doesn't seem to be anything that is different from any other first-person shooter. There's there. It doesn't seem to have anything that is like, oh, this is a threat to our national security or they know about this and that. I'm pretty sure, Noah, you're going to agree with the same thing. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed anything out of the ordinary. Uh, like Rage, I haven't completed the 
campaign, but for a very different reason. It actually won't let me complete the campaign. <laughs> yeah, the game's very glitchy and it's sad, but that's another commentary altogether. Well, I'm pretty. Uh, Rage actually posts a lot of videos on his channel on how to fix certain bugs with games, so I'm pretty sure he can help you out there. <laughs> oh, you can't. I'll do a playthrough of the campaign just for you, Nova, so you Thank can you. see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is like the secret in Nova's computer that he cannot unlock. He doesn't have the key to. Uh, so <laughs> moving on to a review section, Nova has been playing a lot of Vita games and a lot of kids' games like Pokemon and stuff. So he's going to tell us all about that. Nova, go ahead. All right, well... I have been playing handheld games this week, is, is what I would like to call it. Uh, so I have two Vita reviews and one DS review. For starters, I bought Need for Speed for the Vita, the new one that just came out. And it is fantastic. If you own a Vita, you should definitely buy this game, hands down. Um, I guess if you don't like racing, don't buy it because it's a racing game. But if you do like racing and you own a Vita, absolutely get it. The cars are great. Um, the physics is great. And that is, I think, what sets it apart from, I guess, what we've seen in previous handheld racing games is just that the physics are a little, I guess, under the weather. But they're actually pretty decent in this one. Um, speed actually plays a huge portion, which, you know, given the name, it makes sense. Um I will say that the graphics are not as good as the console versions. However, the gameplay is completely the same. And uh, it's EA who actually releases Need for Speed. They made a claim that the Vita version is 97% of the PS3 version. Um, so there were a couple races taken out, I think. And then obviously the graphics were toned down. But, in addition, there were a couple races added to the Vita version. So, altogether, definitely a buy. A second Vita game is also released on multiple consoles, uh, LEGO Lord of the Rings. I have not played too much of this yet. Um, obviously, it just came out last week, so I'm still working on the whole... Or two weeks ago. or and It came out in the past two weeks. And it's fun if you like the lego games <laughs> if you don't like the lego games you're probably not going to be a huge fan unless if you're just a crazy lord of the rings fan but it seems to click stick pretty close to the movies less so to the books but you know the movies weren't that far away and then all the lord of the ring fans are like oh nova we hate you because you make me angry <laughs> that's all right uh pick up this game it's fun uh or you can rent it I'm sure that there are places like Gamefly and stuff that'll rent this game to you. Um, worth a playthrough, if not a buy. Finally, I picked up Pokemon White 2, which is, you know, obviously essentially the same as Pokemon Black 2. Uh, this game also came out fairly recently. Um, and, you know, every time you start a Pokemon game, you get that antsy feeling of, you know, starting out and, you know, a fresh spawn, if you will. <laughs> um, so you work on getting new Pokemon and stuff. I don't know. It's fun. It's not as fun as some of the other Pokemon games that I've played. Although I've heard that the story gets a little bit tricky at the end. So um, I haven't gotten that far yet. I'm still... I think just past the third gym. But I've heard that once you get to about the seventh gym, the story really kicks it into high gear. So I'll be looking forward to that, and maybe I'll do a second review once I get that far. Rage, you know I want you to talk about Towns. What do you got? All right. Um, Towns is, I guess the easiest way to say it is imagine the old, uh, what were they? Uh Age of Empires games. Kind of imagine that, but on on a bit more of a simpler yet complex state. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a conundrum here. Um, the game is of course you know it doesn't have the best graphics around. It is an indie game, but what it lacks in the graphical field, it it really picks up in like the wittiness of it. 
Um, you've got your kind of your standard controls and everything like that. But basically, you start from scratch with just a certain amount of villagers, and you have to you have to uh, harvest things, fend off different like fan- fantasy type creatures. Um, I know one of them is like a tree keeper. Run into those all the time. Um, but one of the things that really annoys me at the moment about the game is the villagers always want to sleep. Whenever I want them to do something, they're always wanting to sleep. So I don't know, maybe it's just a bug with my game, or it's a bug with the actual game, or maybe I've just got some lazy villagers. But it starts off very basic, kind of like the old Age of Empires did. You start off with like the log, the log walls are the easiest to build and things like that. And it's kind of, you're supposed to build up your town. And my town is going very terribly at the moment. So let's not even talk about my town, but you're supposed to build up your town and, uh, you know, it's supposed to bring heroes in from what I understand. And you're supposed to worry about managing the town, keeping all the villagers happy, the treasury full, things like that. So it's definitely an interesting concept and a kind of a different take on games like Legend of Grimrock or games like that where you're the dungeon crawler. You know, instead this time you have to be the town's mayor and keep all the heroes happy and the bards singing and all the drunks drunk. So. It kind of sounds like SimCity meets Age of Empire meets Minecraft. Something along that line. Uh, well, it's not really so much like Minecraft. Uh, I mean, the aspect. graphics are it, Minecraft-like, but I think the, the art style is Minecraft-like, but I think everything else is. The mechanics are not. No, no, it's not Minecraft mechanics at all. You control all the villagers except when they're sleeping, of course, because apparently you can't wake them up. But um, it's a lot of fun so far. I haven't really put too much time into it. I will say this, though. The tutorials don't even bother. Just go in and press buttons if you pick it up. The tutorials are absolutely not helping at all. I tried going through every single one of them, and they didn't help me at all. I'm still as lost as I was before. So um, uh, I, I saw your video today, and I think you mentioned that you were thinking of bringing this onto your YouTube channel. Uh, towns. Do you think this kind of like simulation game? I know action-packed game has YouTube potential, but this kind of simulation game has YouTube potential. And what kind of videos you are thinking about doing with it? Like, do you, are you gonna do how-to videos? Or are you gonna just drive the town crazy and burn it down or something like that? Uh, personally, I'm not a very tipsy, tricksy type guy. I've tried those type of videos. They just don't really fit my style. Um, what I would do as far as videos, um, and this kind of answers your previous question, is it YouTube material? I think with the right commentator or the right player, it definitely is YouTube material. But you, you don't need one of those guys that's just going to be sitting there like, okay, guys, today we're going to chop down a forest. You know, you kind of, um, if it's going to be YouTube material, it's definitely got to be someone that, that can stay up hype, keep the, the viewers watching and keep them interested. And I think that... For someone like me, that if you've seen any of my videos, you know I'm not a very cautious person at all. I play games like Splinter Cell, and I'm like, screw stealth, I don't need this, you know, unless, of course, it's one of those missions where it's like, yeah, be stealthy or die, you know. And so I think it would be entertaining for someone like myself. I would definitely be interested in watching it from someone like myself, who I know I'm not very good at games like this, so it's kind of like watching me learn how to play it and watching me pick up on things and going from bad to good so it's kind of like a transition phase so uh, like I said with the right person it would be YouTube material with the wrong person it would just be another failing flopping video series okay I'm very happy that you're gonna you're gonna be going to town on towns <laughs> because, <laughs> I that, you did there. because I, I I'm thinking of purchasing this game it kind of looks like my alley I don't want to do Minecraft but it kind of looks like something I would be interested in one question I do have for Noah, though. Noah, you mentioned... Uh, Noah, do you have any questions for Josh about towns? I'm pretty sure you do. Uh, no, uh, he, he explained it pretty well. My only contention is that I think it costs maybe a little too much. Rage, do you think it is priced appropriately? No. No, it's, it's an indie game, of course. And I think uh, with Minecraft's success, a lot of indie games have gotten a bit price-happy as things go. Um, I, I personally feel that I'll get my, I got it on sale, my 11.99 out of it, but I think it would probably be one of those games that would be better suited and probably reach higher on the Steam sales if it was something like 7.99 or if at least they had like a demo or something. So. Does it have any multiplayer aspect or server side aspect like Minecraft have? 
that I know of, no, it doesn't. Um, it's kind of like a drop-down feel. So there's nothing like that's going to be as good as Minecraft can bring to the table, as much as I don't enjoy Minecraft anymore, but still. Uh, what are the developers saying? Are they going to, um, like, like Minecraft, it evolved over time to become what it is now. Do you think that, uh, do you, are the developers making any kind of statements that, hey, we're going to make this game, we're going to put more stuff in this game in the coming t- uh, time or something like that? Or do you think it's going to be what it is right now and people are going to buy it and then forget about it? Um, I'm hoping the developers will do more with it to to allow you to do more with it, maybe enhance the mechanics about it and things. But um, right now, I, th- I think in until they do something, it's going to be one of those games that's going to be like pick up, play, you know, log a good eight to ten hours on, if that, and then, you know, it kind of gets left behind. It's a small download, so it doesn't take up much room. So it, it's one of those games that could easily be forgotten. Okay. Well, thank you for that information about town. I have a question uh for Noah though. Noah, why do they call Pokemon Black 2 and then White 2? What is this Black and White and why do they use this naming convention? I know very little about Pokemon so I'm just <laughs> curious. Okay, from the start of the Pokemon franchise, they have sort of split the game. So it started and you could buy red or blue. Um, and then they released yellow which was crazy. <laughs> um, then it was Gold or silver, ruby sapphire, uh, which then they release crystal. And now they've uh, run out of color, so that they begin so, black too. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and then diamond and pearl. Don't forget about diamond and pearl. And then we get to black and white. And essentially, what they do is they just make it so that certain Pokemon are only available in one of the two games, and the other game can't get them. Um, now this is only you know, three to four per game. So it's typically, you know, it doesn't break the game at all. Uh, But it forces people that if they want to collect them all, they have to work together with another person or buy two copies of the game. Okay, okay. Uh, The second question I had is, like, uh, you know that the PS Vita is more powerful than the PS3. At least that's what everybody says. Uh, Why do people say that the Vita is more powerful than the PS3? Is it not true? I don't. That's not true. That's I don't think true. so. Okay, then I'll just retract my question. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I heard. Like, like when they were advertising Vita, they were like, "Oh, it's as powerful or more powerful than the PS3." And then I was wondering that why did they scale the graphics down on Need for Speed, which uh, which yeah. becomes a non-question now because it's not. Right. Well, the the problem is that the <laughs> PS3 has a fan, so it can have. Uh, better capabilities because it won't get as hot, whereas the Vita gets pretty hot if you play it for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so it also is smaller, yeah. <laughs> so the components have to be smaller. Um, I've heard more comparisons comparing it to the 360, mm-hmm. um, but you know I've used this comparison a lot. It's like comparing apples to orangutans. Uh, like they're they're just completely different. Um, they use different processor models and things like that. So whether one is more powerful, I can't say. Uh, I believe that the PS3 and the 360 both have more RAM than the Vita, though. So there's certainly limits. Yeah, and the only reason I can think of that they will scale the graphics down is uh, the battery. You don't they won't they don't want you to play the game only for 10 minutes and you run out of battery because uh, yes, it is. It could generate the same amount of graphics, but that will also require a lot of uh, power to do that. And that's true. And one thing is, a lot of the time with these high graphic-intensive games, at least on the consoles, you install a good deal of the map slash graphics onto the system itself. With the Vita, they don't really want to do that. Now, I have a 32 gigabyte memory card, so I have plenty of space on there. But for the people with the 4 gigabyte memory card, they're basically saying we need to run this game off of the SD card. That is essentially what the game cartridges are. So, you know, there there are reasons that they scale down the graphics. And I don't really think it hurts the game at all. I know some people are graphics crazy, but I'm more concerned about the gameplay. Yeah, I think scale uh, down graphics on a sc- smaller screen still look better than 
the bigger bigger screen. I mean, if if you had the same scaled down graphics on a bigger screen, you'll notice the difference. But but on a small screen, it's 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 not that easy to notice those differences. Uh, Rage, I just wanted to get your quick word on what do you think about the PS Vita? I know Nova keeps advocating it and trying to sell it like he works for Sony in every podcast. <laughs> I think he does work for Sony. Um, <laughs> but the PS Vita, uh, I've heard a lot of good things and bad things about it. Personally, I haven't really looked into it. Um, I'm kind of more a PC guy myself, not really a PC elitist. I, I like the power, though, that the PC brings, the, the options for mods and things like that. Um, so handhelds have never really been my strong suit, but I, I would have to agree with Nova. If I was going to pick up a handheld, I, I think I definitely would go with the PS Vita just because uh, back in high school I had a friend that had the PSP, and I enjoyed a lot of the games on it. So if it's anything that's half as good as the PSP or, or better, you know, I definitely think I would enjoy the PS Vita. Yeah, most uh, most of the time, like my, my opinion is exactly the same as yours because uh, Nova keeps... Uh, sending me these deals like hey ps vita is on sale on this place and that place i'm like yeah but it's still a handheld like uh, if I, w- I i'm not into handhelds and the only thing that would get me into handhelds is if i have a transit drive uh, for an hour or two every day then i will definitely go ahead and i think i will choose the ps vita over the nintendo stuff anyway because uh, i'm not i'm not a big fan of what games they offer I'm well, yeah. I I love I love Nintendo, but we we all have to face the facts. Nintendo is is more of a family slash kids based uh, company than anything. I mean, they do have games sometimes that come out on their platforms that are rated M and things like that. But okay, so well, gi- yeah, until the Wii U, there are some things coming out for it. Give but. give us give us your product prediction because when Nintendo launched the Wii, they were like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna we are doing this for hardcore gamers and all those things. They made all that statement. Do you think that Wii U is going to change the game and going to appeal to hardcore gamers? Just give us a quick prediction and we'll we'll go back a year after and we'll, we'll listen to this. Uh, I don't think it'll change the gaming experience for any hardcore gamers. Um, I'm definitely excited for Zombie U and things like that and the interface that the Wii U brings to the table. But I don't see the uh, motion... And everything like that, especially in the form that Nintendo's got it coming out. And I don't see it taking over the market as far as consoles or PC or anything. I, I definitely still see Xbox and, you know, Sony and Microsoft still in the lead with those. Because the Wii is, is still going to have that same reputation no matter what it does. Uh, are you looking to forward towards any game that you'll be thinking like, oh, I wish I can buy a Wii U so that I can play that game or something, uh, or something that you're looking forward to towards Wii U? Uh, I think I think I kind of have to go with the cliche on this one right now and say that I, I would definitely pick up the Wii U just for Zombie U. Zombie U looks amazing. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm definitely excited to see some videos of it and possibly even get some hands-on experience with it. And Noah, what game are you picking up the Wii U for? Zombie U. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean... Just watching the the ten minutes of developer footage from E3, it, it just it looks so much fun. If I pick up Wii U, it would be for Bayonetta 2, nothing else, because that's an exclusive on that, and I'm still pissed about that thing because I love the original Bayonetta, and that's that's one game I really want to play. But but uh, having a game like Bayonetta on their console in the launch lineup, I don't know whether it's on the launch lineup, but in this early lineup. Uh, kind of makes me think that Nintendo is kind of making a statement. Hey, we are open to non-kids game, and we can we will will put whatever is out there on our console. So, uh, little bit hopeful, but anyway, I mean, it has to beat the PS3 for me to kind of own a Wii U. It has to be better than the PS3. <laughs> anyway, I don't. Uh, well, PS3. And Xbox, it might come close to beating those out. But the next-gen consoles, when they release those, uh, they're they're going to be closer to, you know, kind of your your mid-end PCs these days. So those are definitely going to blow the Wii U out of the water, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And and when I'm talking in terms of better than PS3, I'm not talking about graphics or anything. I'm just talking about the awesome game library that the PS3 oh, has. Oh, I know. And the games I own for PS3 and how much effort, time, and money it's going to take me for having the same kind of game <laughs> for you and whether that's worth it for me. Because 
uh, I have a PS3 and 360, and I rarely play my 360. I just play PS3 because of the games that I have on it. But yeah, if, so I think that's the biggest thing that keeps me from changing from PC to consoles is my Steam library is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the thing. So Black Ops 2 releases this week. What are we thinking? Black uh, Ops Rage- 2 releases today in about. Three hours. <laughs> People are gonna yeah, go crazy. Yeah, by the time by the time this podcast goes live, it will have been out for at least twelve hours. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's gonna listen to this, you know. Like Black Ops. Yeah. Too. As soon as you say Black Ops, they're gonna be like, ah, click. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Battlefield. Unlike. <laughs> yeah. So, Rage, what do you uh, what do you think? What have your experience been with past Call of Duty games and what I, what do you think about Black Ops 2? It's like it's, there are three hours left to give your predictions and stuff. <laughs> uh, personally, personally, I even as a Battlefield fan, um, I have a lot of respect for Activision and the Call of Duty franchise, um, World of War, all those games. Being as uh, Modern Warfare 2 was the game that got me into FPS online. Um, I picked it up on a Steam sale. Yes, I know, I know. Activision put something on sale. It's outrageous, right? But um, I picked it up on a sale, and a couple of friends got me into it, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't log that many hours, but it got me excited. And then, of course, when Modern Warfare 3 came out, that was a big flop for me as far as PC goes. Um, and so I kind of went back to Modern Warfare 2 a little bit, and then ultimately back to COD 4 until recently picking up Black Ops. So I've had a, a good experience with Call of Duty. Um, even on PC, you know, they are console ports, but even on PC, they, they've been, in my opinion, pretty good games, solid games. They've been able to hold their own. Maybe the prices, you know, are a little too high. Um, as far as Black Ops 2, I had planned to pick it up until I got a little bit skeptical and I decided to hold on to my money until some reviews come out. But I think if Treyarch listens to the community like they have in the past, um, and instead of dropping it like they did in Black Ops after a little while, if they continue to do that for the whole lifespan of the game, at least until the next one releases, which I'm guessing is going to be Modern Warfare 4, uh, I think Black Ops 2 could probably surpass uh, you know, the previous ones, aside from Call of Duty 4. I, d- I don't see any game surpassing Call of Duty 4 um, as far as Call of Duty games in gameplay essence and just enjoyability. But Black Ops 2 definitely has a chance. It does bring something a little bit new and fresh to the Call of Duty page, um, even with the same engine and things. The the futuristic environment, I think, adds a lot. And I think Treyarch's kind of making a statement with it because they've always been kind of World War II-ish, but now they're jumping to the future, uh, kind of showing us what they have to offer. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I think it'll be a good success if Treyarch actually listens to the community. Yeah, I mean... My Call of Duty experience have been like very. I would say I've played every Call of Duty game to date, uh, starting from Call of Duty one, two, three, four, and each and every one. But I've only played single player. Anytime I've and I have enjoyed them all. Um, I think I enjoyed Modern Warfare three single player more than Black Ops single player. But the single player that I really enjoyed was Call of Duty four. And mm-hmm. I've been more of a single-player Call of Duty player because every time I try to jump in in a multiplayer game, I get my ass handed to me. And <laughs> and I'm not saying that Call of Duty. I've I've never said that Call of Duty game Call of Duty is worse than Battlefield 3 or Battlefield 3 is so awesome and Call of Duty is so bad. Because the reason for that is because I've never been good at Call of Duty. I've if I was good at Call of Duty, I was killing people left and right i would i would probably like it but the with it is just something that doesn't resonate with me in terms of multiplayer but single player i've enjoyed them all and i'm not going to uh, pick up this game this year but i will definitely be picking it up next year when it's a little cheaper just for the single player campaign i will try the multiplayer and i'll be like uh, i i'll get my ass handed to me and i'll come back to battlefield or some other game <laughs> but yeah. but I can already already give you the review of Call of Duty uh, Black Ops because the first three days everybody is gonna say oh this game is amazing this game is awesome and then after that every day there will be a video showing how broken the game is 
how people are noob too big because that has been the trend with every Call of Duty title to date. Uh, uh, Noah, I'm pretty sure you have uh, something to say about that. <laughs> oh, there are lots of things I could say, Zitter. Um, but surprisingly, I'm, I'm not going to be as negative as you probably think I will be. Because <laughs> um, I know that you know that once upon a time, about January... I said that I was basically never going to buy another Call of Duty game because, let's face it, it bored me when I played a couple months of Modern Warfare 3 and mm. nothing happened. Travesty. <laughs> um, now, I've I've played a good, good number of the Call of Duty games. I'm pretty sure all the way back to the first one. So I, like you two, have played the single player and indeed enjoy them. Um, the thing that really got me this time is the reinvented zombie mode um it was essentially i put in about equal time on the zombie mode and multiplayer for black ops the first one and it's just a fun thing to do whether you're playing with friends by yourself or with four random people online it's a lot of fun to play uh zombies and so I wasn't planning on buying Black Ops 2, and I'm still, like Rage, I'm going to wait it out. Um, but I'm certainly not saying that it's going to be a bad game. Um, they're always fun. It's just they get a little bit monotonous, I guess. I think, uh, I think one thing that surprises me with Call of Duty games is the value for money that you get out of a Call of Duty game. You really can't rage on that game because... The thing is that you get so many different game modes. They have like, what, 10, 12 different game modes? Is that right? It, it's something like that. And, 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 and then you have zombie just, mode. And then you have an awesome single player campaign. So, I mean, if you're dropping $60 on the game, you know that you are going to like at least something. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is with the DLC. And, you know, mm. I know we've talked about DLC before. Um I don't think Call of Duty does DLC very well. And I think that's my biggest contention against the Call of Duty series is just that the DLC doesn't give you anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the we talked about the multiplayer modes and uh, they do them so well. Like... Capture the flag. Most people think capture the flag and they think, oh, it's terrible. People just run after the flag and some people camp. And Well, I think Call of Duty does capture the flag really well. Uh, maybe that's just with who I've played it with. I'm sure that there are, you know, trolls like there are anywhere. Um, but the, I think that the modes that they bring us are good. Now, they took away some modes in Modern Warfare 3, which is one of the reasons why I stopped playing it, because they took away, what was it? It was Hardcore Domination. Um, they took that away. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think that, <laughs> obviously, that was kind of a niche game. Um, so a group of my friends really liked it, so we played it all the time, and there were maybe 5% of the people who played Call of Duty actively playing that game. So, you know, I can understand why they got rid of it, but... It really all comes back to the DLC, and with the zombie maps thrown in, it it just becomes a double-edged sword, because I want the new zombie maps, but I really could care less about the multiplayer maps. But in order to keep playing with all of my friends, I have to buy the multiplayer maps, because they all have them. It just gets a, a vicious cycle. Rage, do you have any problems with DLC? Yes, yes, I do. I don't think anyone does DLC well. EA, Activision, Call of Duty, Battlefield, I, I think everyone... When it comes down to it, they're like, oh, we're going to give you this for money. But especially with the Medal of Honor Warfighter DLC coming up, I mean, what's going to be the price on that for people that didn't pre-order? I mean, if anyone is even bothering to pick up the game if they didn't pre-order. Uh, you know, DLC packs, I think, are pretty well-priced when they come with everything that you're, you, that you're promised. You know, everything that you originally promised and things like that. And I think a lot of people have been disappointed by DLCs from... Uh, various games, especially when they want you to pay $15 for, you know, maps that you've already had in a previous game, like both Call of Duty and um, 
Battlefield have done it. Battlefield with the back to Karkin maps, you know, all those games were from previous Battlefield games. And then, you know, like uh, Terminal and things like that. There's, it's different. If you go back and you look at Call of Duty things, you can see there's so many of these buildings that have just been recycled from previous games, like in the maps. And they haven't been changed much. And so it's pretty much you're just paying for the same map pieces over and over again. And I think that can be disorienting and disheartening and disappointing for a lot of people. Yeah, I think this trend of uh, having a DLC for every game, like even even a game that is not going to sell like 100,000 copies is ridiculous. Because DLC back in the day were for only for games that did really well. And they were not even, I mean, a game was released and it was out there for one year and the fans will start raging saying that, hey, we need more stuff in this game or we need more maps in this game or something like that. And the developers will say, okay, because you all are interested in it, it's viable for us to do a DLC. But these days, DLCs are getting announced even before the game releases. That doesn't make any sense. And I think it's dragging the quality of the game down it's uh, making these companies more money hungry to kind of capitulate on all the money that they can make even after the launch and uh, and that's the reason why why Ray said that nobody does DLC well uh, although I'll have to disagree I really love all the DLC that uh, uh, Battlefield 3 and uh, DICE did and uh, I think Noah might have to. Noah wants to say something about the DLC stuff, huh? Yeah, um, I think the what what we're seeing is you're talking about the old games and them having DLC. Uh, that simply just isn't true if we look at it literally. They had expansion packs, um, so they expand the game. DLC, downloadable content. Where did that, like, how is that even a word that we use? Like, Battlefield gives us downloadable content in maps. They also give us downloadable content in pretty PDF books full of pictures. <laughs> like, that's DLC. Um, Premium, but, baby! But, like, an actual DLC in what we want, that's called an expansion pack. So, those have been wildly successful. Uh, Blizzard does that really well. Um, obviously, people are still raving about World of Warcraft, and that's been around forever, and they're like still making expansion packs later. for it. They're not making DLC. They're making expansion packs. Um, another game that did that well was uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion with the Shivering Isles expansion pack. Um, you could download it, but you could also buy like a disc copy. Uh, so I think it might be time to return to expansion packs and stop it with all this stupid DLC. Yeah, stop the map packs and all this other stuff and just do expansion caps. So, what are my tips for this week? Uh, well, I figured out something, and that is, why is my PC aim so bad? Um, and you're going to say, well, it's bad because you're bad at PC gaming. And I'm going to say, absolutely not. That's what Artsy will say. <laughs> that is what Artsy will say. <laughs> yes. uh, but what I found out, I was actually playing online Pictionary, right? So you have to draw a word, and then everyone else has to guess it. If you guys you know, haven't played Pictionary, you should. <laughs> it's a review of Pictionary. But um, So I start drawing a circle, and... Shoot, you know, I get about halfway through my circle, so it's a semicircle, and it is literally a lightning bolt. <laughs> now I have pretty steady hands. Um, I'm not old or anything like that, so I uh, I can draw a circle with a mouse, uh, whether it's on a regular mouse or a trackpad or anything like that. But it was coming out as a lightning bolt, and so my mouse. And the mouse pad combination is just too sensitive that it picks up pretty much any minute movement. And there's a little bit of dust on my mouse pad, so that doesn't help. But so essentially, when I'm aiming down the sights with a sniper rifle or something, my accuracy is actually going left and right really, really fast. So 
I have a hard time killing people sometimes. So that's why I'm bad at PC gaming. It has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> that's why you suck at Medal of Honor. Yep, that's it. Actually, I've been getting uh, first place most of the games I've played lately. So just throwing Hacker. it out there. So Noah, let, <laughs> yep. let me get this straight. You broke your mouse so that you can have this excuse? Yep, that's it. <laughs> well, no. Okay, so I have I have a really old gaming mouse. It's the uh, Creative Fatality Professional Series mouse. You know, uses a laser and stuff. It's it's pretty old, but it has three sets of DPI settings, and I always have it set to the highest one. But I think I'm gonna set it to the medium one so that I can aim better. Yeah, I think if you're that bad at aiming. You might want to set it to the lowest one. Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> Like Microsoft mouse time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Level right. Cap did a tutorial on how to calibrate your mouse and stuff and all those things, all that geeky stuff. You can search it on his channel. Yeah, or I can just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my real tip, because this is first and foremost a Battlefield 3 podcast, um, is really don't forget to have fun. Um, so. I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, Nova's such a troll. He probably C4s Jeeps and does the Jihad Jeep and rams into tanks and tries to blow up helicopters and stuff. I do that sometimes. However, I'm not advocating trolling, but do the things that make you happy in Battlefield. You guys know I love riding the ATVs. So if I'm on an armored kill map, it doesn't really matter if there's a tank available. I'll take the ATV. <laughs> I just like it so much that it, it doesn't really matter. I have fun doing it. And even if I die, you know, to a random tank shot or something like that, I'm having fun. So I think that is another way to keep the game alive longer. Definitely. Well, what are your thoughts on trolling, though? Do you watch troll videos, any of you? Uh, I, I have a select few that I watch. Very few, though. Yeah. I watch my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I don't Eddie, post Eddie, them. Eddie I just record them and then watch them repetitively. Yeah, Eddie Gameplay by Nova Dragon is a trolling video. Eddie <laughs> <laughs> my narcissistic troll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think it's important to have fun and people people forget this while dictating everybody do. PTF uh, all the time and do all this. Like I'll I'll take an LMG and I'll spray everywhere on a conquest close domination uh, close close quarter domination map. It's the only way to go. Yeah. So Rage, can you tell us what is your way of having fun in Battlefield Three? Uh, my main way of having fun. Yeah. Like, I, I, I if guess if you're just in a fun mode, what will you do? Go do in Battlefield 3? Will you just take a jet and fly it into a chopper or something else, or what will you do? Magnum only. Magnum only. That's your way. Yeah, yeah. It's, whenever I just want to release some stress, just have some fun. I either hop in a 64-man team deathmatch uh, with my M5K, or I run around on like Conquest or Rush servers, doing my best to play the objective. Just going Magnum only. That I think that is my way of getting frustrated in Battlefield 3 because Magnum is the only gun in Gunmaster that I get stuck on every single time. See, I get stuck on the MP443. I can't get past it. MP443? No, that's not. I think it's a PC and I think it's a console and PC thing because you know Magnum is uh, if if you're good at aiming, which most PC players are, because they're using a mouse. Uh, Magnum is a really deadly weapon, but I think on the PS3, uh, it's kind of left and right it's not very it's not that great so no what i think hmm? i think battlefield should incorporate aim assist on pc just like they have on uh, medal of honor warfighter yeah maybe oh medal of honor warfighter has aim assist yeah that was a bit of sarcasm there um <laughs> sorry <laughs> nobody picked up on that so i feel kind of stupid i was like now. really you, you think that <laughs> I was like thinking like all the PC elites will be up and arm. They'd be like, why does this have aim assist? I don't think aim assist on a PC reason. is going to make any difference, make you any any better of a player. It's aim for everybody. The true reason IGN gave Warfighter a 4, it had aim assist on PC. No, it gave it because they did get said the very review copy said they have to buy that game. They were like spending yeah. money. <laughs> but, yeah. 
which is kind of strange when you are competing against games like Assassin's Creed and Halo 4. EA wasn't competing. They were throwing <laughs> it to the wolves. What's up with Halo 4, though? I mean, I'm hearing, like, I heard, like, stellar reviews first three days, and now I'm hearing that there is kind of a controversy going on. Like, all the big gaming websites, like GameSpot, IGN, all these big websites, they have given Halo 4 a 9.5 out of, like, 10. And all these small gaming websites, which are not really, like, corporate... Which, which do not have that much on influence with corporate people and all those things, they are giving it like a 5 out of 10 or something like that. Do you guys know about that? Uh, I, I really don't, but I guess uh, it really comes down to the fact that it's like any game, really, uh, for the first couple of days, that honeymoon phase, you know, it's going to be awesome, you're going to be enjoying it a lot. But then as the days wear on and your time wears thin, you're, you're going to start to notice the, the little bugs and yeah. things that make the game, you know, a, a game. Um, no game is perfect. There's no game without bugs out there anywhere. I don't care what anyone says. There's at least some type of bug in every single game that's released. Um, and when you start to see those, you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, I thought this game was really awesome. But now I'm seeing that it's kind of crap. Yeah. And then you kind of get stuck and confused and... Yeah, well, this uh, Halo, Halo, Halo Four. That's just kind of my take. I I was reading on these forums and stuff, and like these small websites are com- are really giving Halo Four a tough time in their reviews, um, because they're just saying that the big websites just got bought out by Microsoft, and that's why they give these crazy reviews to it. So. Well, I mean, it's it's similar to Warfighter. I mean, you had. You, you did have your people on YouTube that were giving it crap, but a lot of people on YouTube, you, you know, were like, this game has a lot of potential, you know, as long as we back EA on it, as long as EA backs us on it, you know, as long as we've got each other's back, we can make this game something good. But then IGN and everyone in GameSpot, they're like, oh, this game's terrible, the game. screw this. Yeah, yeah they threw, they threw the, the game right into the fire, you know, out of the frying pan and into the, into the flame. And so, you mean out of the cow and into the flame. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll go with that one too, Nova. A little Minecraft there, I guess. Um, yeah. That reminds me, I need to play Minecraft. I haven't played it in forever. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think everybody on YouTube was so support was supporting Medal of Honor Warfighter more than what it deserved. I don't know for what reason because maybe they hit Call of Duty and they don't want that to become the game on their channel because Battlefield 3 was slowing down and everything. I felt it simply like that. They were like, oh, Medal of Honor is great. You should all get it. But then when these big big websites came in, it completely destroyed it. And they were like, no. Yeah, it, it all comes down to hype. It all comes down to hype. We all give into the hype. And I think one of the big things that a lot of people aren't realizing with Battlefield 3 is Battlefield 3 is not going to be dead as a game or on YouTube as long as you're not one of those guys that's like, I see so many people doing gun reviews here a year after the game's out. Yeah. Dude, come on. Everyone's covered this gun. Your opinion's going to be the same as someone else's. There's no point in you even wasting your time on it. Yeah. And I think that's why Battlefield 3 is dying for a lot of people because they're focusing on that. They're like, oh, well, let me tell you how to get better at the game. Dude, we've had a year to get better at the game. Yeah. I don't need to know how to get better at the game. Just entertain me. Yeah, you need to, so. yeah, you need to put entertaining content rather than putting the same old stuff again and again and again. Yeah. So, Noah, you want to do the outro and go off to the I have two comments to make oh, sure. first. Sure. <laughs> um, Where should I? I'm still you? having a blasty blast with Medal of Honor. As am so, I. So, like, I know that a lot of people are really anti-Medal of Honor. Um, I just think that's stupid. <laughs> they just aren't good at it. Um, so they don't like it. That's pretty much what I found with video games, like... If you aren't good at something, you don't like it. Certainly, that's true with me and Call of Duty. <laughs> um, and then my <laughs> yeah, my second comment is actually about the the game reviewers. Personally, I'm starting to think that there's a little bit of a little bit of controversy here that needs to be uncovered because it kind of feels as though these big things like Game Informer and Gamespot stuff like that they are reviewing with scores as though they think the public will agree with. So they're giving Halo a 9.5 out of 10 because obviously everyone with a 360 who plays it is going to buy Halo 4 and they're going to pretend that they love it so that all the PS3 fanboys get really angry. 
<laughs> so the reviewers, you know, I guess sway their opinion based on what they think the public will think so that they don't look as bad. Whereas the, you know, little ones that don't really matter, like they're not going to influence people's decisions, you know, little YouTube commentators or stuff like that. They can give real reviews and you don't have to listen to them, but I almost think that they're more respectable in their reviews than the bigger corporations. Yeah, I agree with you over there. I mean, Medal of Honor doesn't deserve a 4.5 or whatever it's getting on IGN or all those things. It at least deserves... It's it's not a great game, it, but it at least deserves a 7. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's I, what I was going to say. It's at least of the problems. Yeah, it's at least a 7. If EA hadn't rushed it out, mm-hmm. um, if, if Danger Close, you know, EA fired their head developer right there like two months before release, so a bunch of crap got ended... Um, I mean, Battlefield 3 had a lot of bugs when it first came out, and I, I'm really one of those people that can't stand people comparing Medal of Honor to all these other games, but really, when you get down to the brass tacks, that's really what we compare everything to. If you're a Call of Duty fanboy, you're comparing games to Call of Duty. If you're a Battlefield fan like we are, you know, or even if you're as far as a fanboy, you're comparing everything to Battlefield because Battlefield has kind of changed the way we look at FPS games. It's introduced this this relish, this point, this pedestal that, you know, we think games have to surpass. And Medal of Honor did fall far below that because EA didn't give nearly didn't give Danger Close nearly as much attention as it deserved, in my opinion. They made a lot of bad choices as far as the marketing and things like that. Um, going aside um, with, like, the, the gun developers, like the, the gun makers, um, and basically getting paid by them to advertise real guns, through the video game, you know, that was a bit of, that was crossing the line as far as EA goes, but Danger Close was kind of trying to get the funding any way they could. Um, what it really comes down to, in my opinion, with EA is Battlefield is their big thing. So that's what most of their cash and most of their resources and most of their developers are going to go towards is Battlefield. Medal of Honor 2010, the reboot of Medal of Honor was kind of abandoned for Battlefield 3. And the same thing has happened here with Warfighter for Battlefield 4. It's just a sad process that EA has started. And to tell you the truth, I don't see any change coming to it, you know, coming from it. Well, it's the second time in a row that Medal of Honor has failed to deliver. Do you think they're going to make a third one? No, no, I think EA is going to shut the program down. Um, but I mean, in all honesty, like I said, it is EA's fault. Danger Close can only do so much as the developer. They only have what EA gives them. Um, DICE was in control of the multiplayer before. Danger Close, I think, did an excellent job with the multiplayer this time. Besides, you know, the menus being terrible and all the glitches and bugs that the game does have, which do become evident with even more playing time. But I think overall, if EA would have been able to, if, if they would have even bothered to give uh, Danger Close the funds that, even half the funds that DICE had and half the support that DICE had, I think... Medal of Honor could have definitely been a contender against Black Ops, as far as for PC players, anyways. So uh, we went from tips, uh, talked a little bit about Halo, talked a little bit about Medal of Honor. Um, we kind of got out of the tips region, but you know, you guys probably don't mind. I'm sure it was fun for you because it was fun for us. Uh, but you can contact us on Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, and Skype. You can also go to www.anonymousquadcast.com. That is our website, and we invite you to it. I want to thank you guys for making it through all of our rants, rambles, and raves. We would also like to thank Rage for joining us tonight. Rage, why don't you give uh, our listeners your YouTube and Twitter information? Oh, okay. Um, you can just look me up, Rage Rage Gaming on YouTube. Not hard to find. I'm the small channel. Don't go to the one with 60,000 subscribers. I kind of ripped off his name. Just kidding. But um, don't go to him. I'm the little guy. So uh, also Twitter's easy to find. Just iRageX. Real easy to find. So be sure to hit me up on there if you have any questions or anything like that. So. Yeah, and add us on uh, PlayStation, Zitter Zap, Noax Dragon. You already know us. Go to anonymousquadcast.com. Find all the Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, Skype things. And Rage, we'll try to have you more on this podcast, man. Hey, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, fun here too. Noah, I hope you had fun. No. <laughs> 
No. Nova's worried about no. foosball. Foosball. <laughs> foosball. <laughs> foosball of the devil. Okay. Monday night football. Nova, you can go. <laughs> <laughs>